Today we're going to conclude, and we have been talking about prayer. And you know, God never meant prayer to be difficult. But yet, for most believers, I think not if all believers, prayer is, is a difficult task to do. We all have, all, all have great intentions, but great intentions don't always see us spending the kind of time in prayer or having the quality time in prayer that we really believe that we need to have. And I think for a lot of us, we've just been frustrated. We've been frustrated by the lack of answers in our lives. We've been frustrated by, by uh, our concentration in prayer. But you know what? God never meant prayer to be difficult. He really didn't. God just meant prayer to be communicating between the Creator and His creation. We are God's creation. He wants to communicate with us. I mean, who doesn't want to communicate with their family? Who doesn't want to communicate with their husband or their wife or their kids? It makes things very awkward, doesn't it? God wants to communicate with us. And God wants to answer our prayers. You know, I think we need to get that straight in our minds too. God is not withholding. He wants to answer our prayers. He really does. God is not the kind of God that's up there looking at your week and saying, yeah, I know, yeah, but I know what he's asking for. I know I said he could have it, but you know what? You see what he did on Wednesday evening. I couldn't bless that. And that's not the way God operates. Amen? Amen? God doesn't operate that way. Amen. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. He's on our side. He loves us. Amen. So I think if, if the first thing that Jesus did when his disciples came to him to ask him to teach him how to pray was to teach us not how to pray, I think today, 2,000 years later, that's still very relevant, isn't it? Amen. James chapter 4 and verse 3, it says, You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly. Oh, so there's a wrong way to ask, is there? Yes, there is. There's a wrong way to ask. And we need to learn, if there's a wrong way to ask, we need to learn the right way to ask. Amen? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, it says, Therefore, let us come boldly into the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I said last week, and I stand by it, you think for most believers that that passage of Scripture wasn't in their Bible. Because most believers, when they approach God in prayer, they come with their head down. They come with that kind of Oliver scene, you know, in that Oliver film. You know, where Oliver is, please, sir, may I have some more? You know, in, his, in, in Oliver's heart, you knew that, you know, this never happened before. You know, no one ever went and asked for more. And, and you, you knew by Oliver's actions that, you know what, I, 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 I stand more of a chance of getting a lick of the ladle than I do of getting that out of the ladle. But that doesn't mean that that's the way we approach God. Amen? We approach God knowing, the Word of God says knowing that we are welcome there. Amen? It says we come boldly. You know, when you, get into, when you come into the throne room of grace, you're not a squatter. Amen? You're not someone who's just snuck in there underneath the veil. God says you're welcome there. He says you're to come boldly. You're to come with an attitude that I belong here, not because of anything I did, but because of everything He did. Amen? Because in and of my own strength or in and of your own strength, on your very best day, you could not come boldly into the throne room of grace in your own strength. But in His strength, you can. Amen? And you should. And you need to. And I believe after we're finished talking today, you will come boldly into the throne room of grace and obtain mercy for the things that you need God to answer. Amen? Boldly. Boldly. Boldly is a confidence. Amen? It's a confidence. It's knowing, you know what? I am here and I deserve to be here. 
Not because of me, but because of him. That's what boldness is, amen? Boldness. And I think if we can get a hold of this whole boldness in our faith when we come to pray, I think we'll believe John 14, 14 a little bit more. That says if we ask for anything in his name, he will do it for us. I mean, that's in the Bible, amen? And I'm making that up. It says we can ask anything in Jesus' name, and he said he would do it first if we come boldly into the throne room of heaven. Knowing that, you know what? I don't stand in my own strength. I stand in his strength. Amen. Amen. We really need to get a revelation that God loves us. Regardless of all the things I have in my closet, regardless of all the things I've done in secret, regardless of all the things I've done in the open, if I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior, that God loves me. And He's not withholding from me. He wants to bless me. He wants to answer my prayer. We need to get a revelation that our God is powerful. He's faithful. And He lacks no provision. Amen. Amen. And any prayer that you bring to God, if it's according to His Word, He says yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. We need to learn how to receive from God. That's what we're going to do for this next few minutes. We're going to learn, hopefully, hopefully, how to receive from God. Turn over to me to Mark chapter 11 this morning. And in Mark chapter 11... Praise the Lord. Don't you love when you open your Bible and you actually open it to the one page away from where you're meant to be? Praise God. Mark chapter 11, it says there in verse 12, it says, The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Isn't it great that we serve and follow after a real God? A real man in Jesus? Jesus suffered hunger, amen? There was times Jesus went around and he went, Oh, I'm hungry. I need something to eat. He's real. So don't ever think when you go through stuff in life that Jesus hasn't gone through the same stuff. Amen? Amen? Amen. Be they emotional pains or be they just physical hunger pains, Jesus went through them as well. Amen? Because he was a real man. Amen? Amen? Amen. He said he was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. The, New, or the King James Version says it this way. It says in verse 14, it says next, it says, And Jesus answered and said unto it, the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Have you ever asked yourself, Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? What harm was it doing it? Why, why did he do it? Was Jesus angry at the fig tree? Or was, as we say in today's vernacular, because he was hungry, was he hangry? Did Jesus come to the fig tree hangry and seen the leaves on it and said, okay, there must be fruit on it, and he got to it and there was no fruit on it, and Jesus go, I've got like that. Amen? Jesus got to the tree and, and there was nothing on it, and he cursed the tree. And I, I, I kind of think to myself, have we ever got to a place that we're so frustrated with stuff that we actually curse the stuff? I have. You know, at home, I have about five different remote controls for the different things and the television and stuff like that. And, and every so often, one of them won't work, and I curse it. I said, you remote control. Or, you do too. Or you pick up the remote control, and you're on the computer, and the computer just won't do what you want it to do. And you, you, you get the computer, and you shake it, and you say, you stupid computer. How many of you have ever been in your car, and you just 
going to start the car and it won't start. And, and, and you shake the steering wheel and you say, you silly car, start. We speak to stuff that don't... This, this is innate objects, amen? You know, it's not going to answer back to us, but we speak to it. We speak to stuff. And Jesus spoke to stuff too, didn't he? Well, why did Jesus curse the fig tree? It's not because he was angry at the fig tree. Amen. You see, to, to understand why Jesus spoke to and cursed the fig tree, we first need to realize that, that when God created the fig tree, Jesus was there beside him. Amen. And when God created the fig tree, he created the fig tree in such a way that when the fig tree had leaves, it had fruit. Amen. So when the fig tree shows it has leaves, it has fruit. So when Jesus went to the fig tree, and when he seen it from a distance, he said, oh, a fig tree with leaves, it has to have fruit. He said that because he, he was there when it was created. So when Jesus went to the fig tree, even though it wasn't the season for figs, and he went to the fig tree looking for some fruit and going, okay, there's leaves, but Jesus knew that the tree was lying to him. He knew that the tree was, was claiming to be something that it wasn't. It was claiming to have fruit when it had no fruit. The tree was a hypocrite. And Jesus cursed it. He said, hey, listen, let no one eat from you again. Never. He cursed the tree. That's why. Not because he was angry, but because the tree was claiming to be something that it wasn't. In verse 14, it says that Jesus answered the tree as if the tree had been talking to him. You know that you can't ever answer anybody that's not already talking to you? If I was to walk up to any of you this morning and say something to you as by way of an answer and you hadn't asked me a question, you'd be looking at me going, what's that all about? If I went up to you and just said eight, you'd be like, I didn't ask you what four and four was. Jesus answered the tree because the tree had been talking, as it were, to Jesus. Amen? You know, things do talk to you. Amen? I mean, your bank balance talks to you when you go to the counter and you haven't got enough money to pay for what you had. Your bank balance is telling you you shouldn't have bought that last week. Your bank balance will talk to you. Amen? Things talk to you. Not in the weird sense now. Praise God. If you have an issue with that, praise God. We'll pray for you afterwards. But things talk to you. Amen? It says that Jesus answered the fig tree. So the fig tree was talking to Jesus. It was saying, I have leaves, so therefore I should have figs. But when Jesus searched, he found that it was lying. So he spoke back to it and he cursed it. So from there, Jesus went into the temple, and we know the story from there. He, he found them all buying and selling in the temple, and he went in and he overturned the tables, and he ran them all out of the, the temple, and he'd he, he done his business. And in verse 17, it says, and he, he taught them, and he said, Is it not written that my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers? Verse 18 says, The chief priests and the teachers of the law, when they heard this, they began looking for a way to kill him. For they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teachings. When evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. And that was the end of that day. That, that, that day was finished. So Jesus went off with his disciples and they, they went sleep, probably went and got something to eat and they, they slept for the night. And then verse 20. It says, And in the morning, as they went along, uh, they saw the fig tree withered up from its roots. Now, to understand this, we need to see what it says in Matthew 21 about this story a little bit back. 
In verse 19 of Matthew 21, it says, Jesus, seeing the fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, May you never bear fruit again. And, and here's the important part. And it says, and, and, and immediately the tree withered. It says, immediately when Jesus spoke to the tree, the tree withered. Now that's very significant. That when Jesus spoke to the tree, right there, right at that second, right then and there, not a two minutes later, not ten seconds later, the very second that Jesus spoke to the tree, the tree died. Died. It died. Right there. From the roots up, it died. This is why that when they passed the tree in the morning, that they'd noticed that the tree had withered from its roots up. Did you get that now? The very second that Jesus prayed, the tree died. The moment that Jesus spoke, the miracle happened. Even though the miracle was not immediately visible, the tree took time before it was visible that it was dead, but the very second that Jesus spoke, the tree was dead. And it was about 12 hours later, maybe, to step in, maybe a little bit later, before they noticed that what Jesus had said in the natural had manifested itself in the physical. And I think this is the period between prayer and the manifestation of prayer that most of us stop believing. I believe that most of us, when we pray, something according to God's word, I think between that time and the answer manifesting is when a lot of us lose faith and a lot of us stop believing. Church, we've got to realize that it takes time, most of the time, for us to see the manifestation of the prayers that we pray. Amen. I think sometimes we believe that God should be bound to our timeline. I think we believe that if I pray and ask God for something according to his word, then God magically should go, abracadabra, here you go. I think we, we think that God is just going to pull a rabbit out of a hat just like that or, or unveil the, the answer there straight away. God's not a magician, amen? Amen? But yet, the very second you pray, God answered the prayer. See, we've become so used to instant things in our life. Instant coffee. Instant food out of the microwave. Everything is instant now. Everything is, we've, we've become the microwavable generation. And if it takes any longer than 10 minutes, then I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat chocolate. Amen? We, we come home from work in the evenings now, and if we're tired, we're just looking for the quickest thing we can get to eat. We don't have any time anymore to peel potatoes or, or peel carrots or, or to, to cook meat. Or, we just don't have time. Give me a ready meal or something like that. And I think that's what we think God is like too. We've come so impatient. Amen. We need to realize that God's not a microwavable God. Amen. That God has said yes to your prayer. But it takes time from the time that God said yes to the time sometimes that we see the manifestation. Or sometimes we'll pray and we will see the manifestation like that. And that's fine. But that's the exception rather than the rule. And it's not because God didn't answer. He, yes, he did. Just go back and read the book of Daniel there where Daniel prayed the first time and God had answered like that. Then he prayed the second time and it took him 21 days before God seen the manifestation of the second prayer. 
So there is a time, you see, and you know why that is? Because, because we're, we're physical, amen? If you're not physical, just pinch the back of your hand this morning and you'll, you'll feel that you're physical. We're physical. We live in physical bodies. But God is a spirit. And God's realm is not our realm. God operates in a spiritual realm. And we have no clue that when we pray, we have no clue sometimes that the battle that our prayers take to get to us. Amen? Because we've got an enemy. And he's doing everything in his power to try and put you off receiving your answer. He'll do everything. He'll bring doubt. He'll bring unbelief. He'll, he'll bring, you know, maybe God didn't hear me. Maybe I should go to someone more holy than, than I get them to pray for me. And, and, and eventually he'll bring, because we don't see the manifestation in our timeline, he'll bring, ah, God didn't give it to me. He didn't say yes. But that's not the way our God operates, amen? God says yes, if it's according to his will. Because if not, he's... he's He's no God at all, amen? He's just an idol. You realize that, don't you? Because if, if, if God says in his word that he do something and in the natural and he doesn't do it, then he, he's, he's not reliable, amen? He's not reliable. The word of God says that God stands over and watches over his word to perform it. Amen? God is a spirit, John 4 says. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, the problem is that, see, because we need to see the answer straight away. It has to be straight away. That when we don't see the answer straight away, we, 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 we don't reckon as, as to why we haven't seen it straight away. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 says, it says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. Oh, season. Angela talked about season when she talked earlier about us coming into the spring season now. We understand the seasons in the natural. But somehow we don't understand the seasons in the supernatural. You see, there's not one of us in here today that will go and get a packet of seeds and sow them tomorrow and expect to go to those seeds on Friday and expect to reap a harvest. We wouldn't do that, would we? Because it's silly. It doesn't work that way. But yet, we go and we pray and we ask God to intervene in a certain situation or we ask God for this or that or the other thing and we expect God to produce it straight away. See, we understand seasons in the natural, but we don't understand seasons in the supernatural. There's seasons. In due season, Galatians says, we will reap if we do not lose heart. Church, we have to develop some faith and some patience Knowing that if God promised it, God will honor His promise. Amen. If God promised it, He will honor His promise. You see, I never doubt, and you never doubt the central bank, do you? No, you don't. You never doubt the central bank when you go and you do your shopping and, and you have your shopping there and you have cash in your wallet and you know that you only got... 10 euros worth and you know you have 50 euros in your pocket. You never stand there at the cash register with your 50 euros being asked for 10. You never worry whether it's going to be accepted or not. Why? Because you know the Central Bank of Ireland and you know the Central Bank of Europe stand over that cash that you have in your hand. And they watch over that cash and they guarantee you that that cash that says 50 euros is redeemable for 50 euros worth of goods. You never doubt it. So why then when we pray and ask God for something according to his word, 
do we worry about whether to be answered or not? Why do we put more trust in the central bank than we do in God? Amen. Amen. Jeremiah 1 and verse 12 says, The Lord said to me, You have seen correctly, for I am watching to see my word is fulfilled. God is watching over his word. The word of God says that God places his word even above himself. So as sure as God is, his word is even more sure. That's how sure God's word is. We have to have faith in God and patience that what he said, he will do. Amen. And when we pray for stuff, it's, it's kind of like, if any of you have had a cold or flu in the last year or month or whenever, you know that when you prayed over yourself and you, you, you said, you know, Lord, I thank you that you bore this sickness and carry this disease and by your stripes I am healed and I command you, cold and flu, to leave my body in Jesus' name. You need to have the assurance that right then and there that the flu died. Stopped. But you also know if you've ever had the cold and flu that two minutes later you're not turning cartwheels and climbing mountains. Amen. Because the flu takes something out of you. It drains your energy. It drains your, your, your immune system. And, and that needs to build up again. Amen. So when you pray, the very second you pray, God agreed with you. And that flu or cold or whatever died right there and then. But now you need time to recover. Amen. Mark chapter 16, it says there in verse 18, it says, but Talking to us believers, and you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It doesn't say you will lay hands on the sick and they'll get up and dance you a jig straight away. It says you'll lay hands on the sick and they will then enter into a period of recovery. Amen. Recovery is supernatural. It's from God. Amen. Amen. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You know, it takes time for us to pray in a spiritual manner in the spiritual sense and see the manifestation of it in our natural world it takes time and that's okay that's okay you see i think we suffer from from seeing maybe these these things on tv where someone goes and prays over someone and immediately they jump up and and, and dance around i think that's in in some senses Praise the Lord for healing, absolutely. But I think in some senses that has actually damaged our faith in, 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 in us thinking that I prayed over someone or I prayed over myself and I didn't see that immediate healing. It doesn't always happen immediately, amen? But when you prayed, immediately God said yes. Now we need to, with faith and patience, we need to wait to see, see the manifestation of everything that we prayed for. Amen? Just because you don't see it straight away doesn't mean that God didn't answer. And it says, in the, it says the next morning as they walked past the fig tree, it says in verse 21, it says, Peter remembered what Jesus had said. He said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed, it has withered. Can you imagine Peter's expression at that moment? See, I, I love to, to, in my own mind, put color and picture to the word of God and and I think as they were walking past this fig tree in the morning, they were, you know, as they were in the morning, they were kicking along and, you know, talking or having a joke and laughing. I think then the, the, the fig tree, as they came up on it, they came into Peter's peripheral vision. And, and Peter remembered 
that's the tree that Jesus cursed. I think, I think Jesus was like, Jesus, the tree that you cursed, look at it, it's dead, it's dead. I think his, his reaction was, was more than what we read, if you know what I'm saying. And, you know, he said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Peter was blown away. He was shocked. He heard Jesus curse the fig tree 12 hours earlier. And now it's dead. It's dead. He must have been thinking, what powerful words come out of his mouth. That even objects die at the word of his mouth. And I love it. How Jesus uses these events as teachable moments. And he said to them, in verse 22, he says, Have faith in God. Jesus answered, Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt it in his heart, but believe that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Did you get that? He said, have faith in God. Church is all about faith. Jesus said, if you have faith, if you believe in God, you know, sometimes we, we make this whole faith thing more difficult than it is too. Faith is just purely belief that what it says in the packet it'll do. And having faith in God is just truly believing that what God said he would do. And Jesus said, have faith in God. And if you have faith in God, if you have that kind of faith, you can speak to that, tree, that mountain there. Be, be removed and cast into the sea. Or what Jesus was saying to you and me. You can say to that mountain of sickness in your body. You can say to that mountain of lack. You can say to that mountain of heartbrokenness. Be removed from me and cast into the sea. You can say to that cold, that flu, that disease. You can say to that lack. You can say to it, be removed from me. Be cast into the sea. And if you believe it and do not doubt it, the Word of God says, whatever you believe, you will have. That's huge. Amen? Have faith in God. Do you know that faith is the most powerful thing in the universe? It's the most powerful force in the universe is faith. Our words, fueled by faith, can move mountains. That's, that's a fact. Our words, fueled by faith, can move mountains. Whatever your mountain is. You see, what Jesus is trying to teach us there, that day and today, is that your words have power. Your words, the very words that come out of your mouth, they are powerful. And we've got to learn to use our words in a way that harnesses that power of God to advance and bless our lives. Proverbs 18 and 21 says, Death... Death, the very death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Church, we got to be very careful over the words that we speak. Amen. Very careful. You know what it says? You, you are what you eat. Well, you are what you speak. You and I, we are what we speak. Our words are so powerful. Proverbs 13 and verse 3 says, He who guards his mouth preserves his life. If we guard our mouth, if we watch the words that we speak from our mouth, the Word of God says we will preserve our lives. I'm up for that, amen? amen. But it says, he who opens wide his lips, or he who's always talking, always saying stuff, always saying negative tough stuff, it says, he who opens wide his lips will have destruction. I don't want destruction, I want life, Amen. 
Church, we need to be so careful of the words that we let loose out of our mouths. We need to be careful. We need to mind them. We need to protect them because they're powerful. Instead of speaking negative words over ourselves or over others or over our situations or our circumstances, we need to speak positive words of life over them all. For far too long, we've been speaking negative words over our circumstances. Negative words over our husbands. Negative words over our wives. Negative words over our jobs. Negative words over our remote controls. For far too long. Just checking to see if you're still with me. Is our glory to God. Church, we need to be honest with ourselves. We need to realize that our words are powerful. And we have no idea of the destruction that we have been, been speaking into our own lives just because we have loosed these powerful words into, into our families or into our circumstances and situations. Instead, we need to start, as Romans 4 and 17 says, we need to start calling those things which are not as though they were. We need to call those things that are not the way we want them to be as though they were. Amen. Because we form our future with our words. And our words is what we communicate back to our God. Amen. We need to start saying stuff like, you know what, I know he's not perfect, but God, you gave him to me, so I'm blessing him anyway. We know she's not the greatest, Lord, but you know what, you gave her to me, so I'm going to bless her anyway. We need to start using our words to build up rather than tear down. Amen. Amen. So I wonder if we were to bless our spouse, if we were to bless our nation, if we were to bless our jobs, rather than talking about how bad it is, I wonder if we started to speak directly to our fig trees in our lives and commanded them to be removed, I wonder what our prayer lives would look like. I wager that we would start to see the greatest manifestation of the prayers that we bring before God that we've ever seen in our lives. Amen. Amen. Jesus commanded us in Mark 11, verse 23 of the New Century Version. He says, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, go fall into the sea. And if you have no doubts in your mind and believe that what you said will happen, God will do it for you. Amen. Amen. So if you feel sickness in your body, instead of talking to God about the sickness and explaining it all to Him, Jesus said that we're to speak to the sickness about God. Did you get that? Instead of talking to God about the sickness... We need to start talking to the sickness about God. Because I think sometimes we think that prayer is when we go to God and say, Oh God, you know, I have this great sickness in me. Oh, it's terrible, it's this bad. And if, I, if it doesn't get healed, you know, it's going it's to consume me and I won't be able to work and I won't be able to do, look after my family and, I won't, and it's going to eventually, it's going to kill me, Lord. But God didn't say that's the way we're to pray. We don't go and tell God all about our sickness. We tell our sickness all about God. Because our sickness in us is our fig tree. It's our mountain. And God said that when you pray, you speak to your mountain about God rather than speaking to God about your mountain. So when you have sickness, you say, hey, sickness, you're not meant to be in there. I command you in Jesus' name to leave my body. Amen. That's the way Jesus is teaching us how to pray. Amen. There's the, the Word of God is full of this. We've gotten so far off in the way we pray. 
Because the Word of God is full of this. Every time that Jesus healed someone, he spoke directly to the sickness. Every time that, that Jesus done something in the Word of God, it was always directed to. He didn't, he didn't speak to God about. He, he, he directed the, his, his words to what he was praying over. Amen? Let me give you one huge example. I love this example. And I want you to, next time you're reading through the Word of God and you see a miracle, you see a move of God, I want you to go back and read it carefully and see the person who prayed over, whether it was Jesus or whether it was someone else, that they didn't speak to God about the problem, they spoke to the problem about God. Remember when, when uh, uh, Peter and, and, and John met the, the man outside of the gate, beautiful? He said, silver and gold I have not got, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus rise up and walk. Didn't pray to God about the problem, spoke to the problem about Jesus. Mark chapter 4, in the same day while, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along, with, took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, and it was already filling. So he was in the stern, Jesus, asleep on a pillow. Praise the Lord for peace in the storm. Amen. Amen. And they awoke him, saying to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? This is a wonderful story. And what Jesus teaches us in this story, I think we need to take away with us today and we need to start to apply it to our lives. It says, Then Jesus arose and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, Peace, be still. Did you see what Jesus did there? Jesus was woken by the disciples. And when he looked around, he saw the storm. He, it says he spoke to the storm. And it says he spoke to the sea. And he said, Peace, be still. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why were you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What Jesus is teaching us here, in the storms of life as they come upon you on Monday, and on Wednesday, and on Thursday, Jesus is saying, God is not moved by them storms. God's not moved by your storms. Because he's already given you the power over them storms. When you have the power over something, you don't need to go and ask God for the power. God has given you the power. God is saying, now you have the power. Now you go speak to your storm. Tell your storm about Jesus. Command your storm to cease in Jesus' name. That's how Jesus taught him. Jesus spoke directly to the storm. He rebuked the storm. Then he turned to his disciples and said, where is your faith? Why didn't you rebuke the storm yourself? Then you wouldn't have needed to bother me. Church, we need to start to speak to the sickness. We need to start to speak to the pain. You know, when the enemy starts to fire darts at us, we need to start to rebuke him, command him to leave in Jesus' name. You know, today we're finishing this four-part series that we've had on prayer, and Jesus has been our teacher. And he goes on to say in our final scripture in verse 24, he says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. In Jesus' name. Amen.